Welcome to Empire Sports Media, New York Giants podcast, Keeping Up with the G-Men. I'm your host, Alexander Wilson, with my two co-hosts, Anthony Rivardo and Christian Morell. Today, we're going to go, go, be going through some topics, including OTAs, uh, how the players started off this year in the first practice with the full team, who showed up, who didn't. There was some weather-related issues that kept some guys like Dexter Lawrence and Antoine Bethea off the field. But for the most part, everyone was there. Except for OBJ, of course. We had, you know, Reggie Wayne, or what is it, Reggie, Reggie White Jr. lined up as number 13, making one-handed catches. So we have our replacement guys. I think we're going to be okay. But aside from him, we have Eli Manning and Daniel Jones performing side-by-side um, side for the first time. So we're seeing them, you know, kind of compete in a sense. I don't think that it's really competition. Head coach Pat Shermer stated that it wasn't. Eli's got the starting job. But for the most part, I, I saw two players that looked sharp at times and, and rusty at others. Um, both guys had a few uh, bad passes, a few interceptions, but overall it was a good day of practice. The defense really stood out. One of the guys that really caught my eye was Sam Beal, and we're going to be going through you know, his progression today and you know, why he's playing with the ones um, and why Jabril Peppers uh, is playing so well in his first practice and why DeAndre Baker was with the twos. It was really just a defensive day all around, but I kind of want to start off with the quarterbacks and why Daniel Jones started the season, or the offseason more or less, as QB3. Um, a lot of people say, you know, we want to impact player if we're drafting in the top 10 picks, and we did not get that this year. We have a guy as QB3. And that kind of like, I don't want to say angered me, but at the same time, it's necessary for the development of Jones, and I think he needs to be in that position where he's learning and asking questions um, do you think it makes sense for him to be QB3 now, guys? Or do you think that he should be QB2 in front of Alex Tanney and, like, you know, he should start off that way? Uh, I think he should definitely be at least QB2. I don't really know what Alex Tanney provides for the Giants. He's just – I get he's a veteran presence, but Eli Manning is a veteran presence enough. I, I just I, – I feel like Tanney will probably be cut by the end of uh, preseason. Because Daniel Jones is obviously the future of the uh, quarterback position, so he'll he'll have QB two by the end of uh, preseason, by the time regular season comes around. But I think it should be an open competition for QB one. But like you said, Pat Shermer said that Eli Manning has the job, so that just is what it is. Yeah, and um, I think Daniel, you know, should be ready to be a backup if he's taken sixth overall. You know, that's. That's, that's a pretty high uh, benchmark there. So, um, you know, I was impressed with his day today. But, um, you know, as far as being ready to be a backup, you know, if you're a top 10 quarterback, I don't see why you shouldn't be. Um, but I do think they'll carry three quarterbacks. And they probably do want a veteran again. So what do you guys think of Lawletta being around? Uh, Laletta kind of is a is an afterthought for me at this point. He has some uh, knee cleanup, according to Shermer, which is blowing my mind that he even has to get a knee cleanup. What is he doing? Sitting on the bench? How is he getting his, his knee injured or cleaned up at all? Like, he's not even doing anything. So, aside from that, I think he'll be, he should be cut. Eli Manning should be the number one guy. I mean, 15 years of experience, two Super Bowls. There, there's no getting away from that fact. And, you know, you have Daniel Jones coming in. I think... He kind of deserves to be QB3. Alex Tanney has the experience. There's no reason to make him QB2 simply because of the fact that 
Kenny has at least a little bit of experience. I mean, he's played in more like two games, so it's nothing that you know Jones can't compete with. But by the end of the by the end of the offseason, we could see Jones as the QB two. But to start, I think he has to work his way up. He has to earn his his position. Um, I don't really think that it should be even be a competition between Eli and Jones. Like J- Jones is is there to develop and you know succeed Eli Manning. Uh, despite I think that Shermer and Eli their, their relationship is is kind of like. Mara centric, if that makes any sense. Like Mara's behind that completely. Everything Shermer says seems like it's telegraphed, or he has a little earpiece that Mara's speaking through him. I don't understand, but everything he says, Eli's strong, Eli's healthy, Eli's this, Eli's that. I'm like, Eli's old. <laughs> Eli, Eli's like one in one hit away from like losing both his legs and becoming Bran from Game of Thrones. Like that's how close he is to becoming a paraplegic. So at his age, I don't understand, you know, why there isn't a competition, but I, I see why. And, you know, with Dwayne Haskins going to the Redskins, and he's going to be an immediate starter, which is why Jones being picked at six and being a QB3 kind of angers me. Um, you know, I, I, I want to leave it to you guys, though, because that's uh, – I could go on all day about that. What do you think, Anthony? Well, I think he was taken in the top 10. He should at least be QB2. I get letting him sit behind Eli and learn from him since he is the 15-year veteran, two-time Super Bowl champion. Let him learn from Eli. But he should be QB2. He was the sixth pick in the draft. I'm actually pretty thankful that he doesn't have to start immediately like Dwayne Haskins does with the Redskins. But he should at least be the QB2 and have the opportunity to battle for QB1. It should be a competition because they did use the sixth pick on him. Let's not forget that there was players like Josh Allen sitting there who could have came in and been a starter immediately. He should sure. at least have the opportunity to battle for the starting position. Yeah, well, I hate to say it, but, you know, the Giants have really given Eli a license to be the quarterback, um, really no matter what's going on for the last few years, even when it's been really questionable and uh, a coach lost his job for benching Eli the wrong way. So, you know, Eli is really just has a license to play um, at least until the end of this year, unless it totally goes off the rails. So, you know, at, the, at that point, you know, I, how can you ask for the competition? I mean, it's, it's all the way to ownership, but uh, you know, he should definitely be QB two. And I, I think right now as QB three, that's just to, keep as much pressure off of him as possible. Right. I, I mean, that makes sense to me. I, I get why he is QB3 and taking the pressure off of him and letting him just learn is the idea here. Um, I mean, let's let's be serious. Alex Stanley is an absolute joke and shouldn't even be on the NFL roster. There's guys out there that could replace him in a hot second and no one would even remember his name next week. So that's, that's kind of my standpoint. But I want to go on to the defense and, and how well they played today in the first OTA uh, session especially Sam Beal. Sam Beal was fantastic. He played with the ones over DeAndre Baker, which was a little surprising to me. Beal was the, uh, the Giants gave up a third round pick for him, and they took him the supplemental draft last year. Uh, he missed the entire season with a shoulder injury that they already knew about. They decided, you know, let's, let's clean him up. Let's make sure he's good to go in 2019. And he is. He's back, and he's ready to compete with Baker, apparently, because he looked fantastic. Um, after the practice, the reporters were asking him if you know that shoulder was bothering him, and he, he just he just kind of reaffirmed everybody and said, "I I can't think about it. It's it's in the past, and I made the play, um, basically the play of the day on the, for the defense with that right shoulder. He basically took a 180 turn, jumped in the air, and batted it down, and Jabril Peppers picked it up and ran it for a touchdown. 
or what would have been a touchdown. But I was really impressed with him in, in coverage and everything he has to offer so far. But do you really think that Sam Beal and DeAndre Baker can be a legitimate position battle? Because it's seeming to shake out that way as far as what we've seen, Baker being with the twos um, and Beal looking so so good against the number ones. I, I'm really hoping that there can be a good battle there. I don't want it to just be given to Baker. Um, but do you think that that's actually a competition? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean... If Sam Beal's performing, you got to let him play. And at the first OTA, he performed. And like you touched on, that uh, that tipped ball was with his right shoulder, the one that he had surgery on. So it's great to see that he's fully healthy. And I don't know. I, I mean, I think he's got some talent. I think he could definitely start on the outside. Yeah, I was surprised because I thought they would throw Baker out there, just, you know, with the difference in draft pedigree. But, um, you know, that looks like a competition since they, they put the more experienced guy out there, well, technically, by maybe by one practice. <laughs> and um, it's going to be really interesting. And if they really want to get Baker on the field, because they said he's not a nickel. So if they really want to get those two on the field, they're going to have to do something with Jenkins. Uh, because, you know, having a bunch of depth on a rebuilding team uh, at the corner spot when, you know, playoffs are really not realistic. I mean, I think getting a draft pick for Jenkins would do more really? at this point. So you think they should trade Jenkins for a draft pick, maybe like what they should have done with Landon Collins like halfway through the year, or do you think they should trade him right now? Man, I would I would really do it uh, close to the deadline or maybe when – I mean, a little bit before that, when a contender is starting to uh, surface, you know, someone that can use another corner right now. What's know? the minimum? What's the minimum you take for him? I'm looking for a second. But, you know, if we a have second. to settle for a third, because he's still a good corner. And, you know, he, he, can does, be great. he does get up and down at times. But, um, you know, I would definitely be shooting for the second. I'd settle for the third. Yeah, I don't think the second is realistic. But I would definitely consider trading Jenkins because all the young talent on this defense I I get that he's a another teaching presence being that he's a veteran but he's got a 14 million dollar cap hit and they're going to save 11 million dollars if they trade him so you know gearing up for next year's offseason they're going to have a lot of money to spend next year and that can just add an extra 10 million to it so you know just I would I would trade him. I don't think they're going to get a second, but I would definitely settle for the third, like you said, Christian. And you guys aren't happy about the number six pick sitting. Well, how about two of your three first-round picks not being starters? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that definitely uh, frustrates me to a degree um, with Baker and Jones. But I don't think that they, that they trade Jenkins unless both of those guys – pan out like it's very contingent on both of them being starting caliber players mid-season they can't trade away Jenkins right now because they can't guarantee that Beal and and Baker are going to be there and healthy for that matter um, especially with Beal coming off this injury and it's only been one OTA so obviously we're kind of overblowing everything and making a lot of assumptions at this point but it's, it's all we have to work off of so it's totally fair <laughs> um, but I do think that Jenkins is ready to have a bounce back season I mean if you really think about his style of play, it's very reliant on the people around him. Um, and he hasn't had a really good, you know, foundation of, of corners beside him and linebackers and, and a pass rush to help him out. In 2016, when the Giants made the playoffs, he was 
fantastic. I mean, we, we all remember him shutting Des Bryant down. That was probably the two <laughs> best games of my life. Um, and then him fumbling at the end to secure that win. Like, that, that was just, you know, hands down, uh, elite play, Pro Bowl level play. And I think he can get back to that. He, he took a dip for two years because of lack of confidence, just, just being battered every single game, especially on the offensive side of the ball for the Giants. They couldn't score. Very reliant. The defense was on the field the entire game. Um, but I think if the offense can kind of play possession, that's why they brought in Golden Tate, re-sign Sterling Shepard, keep the ball, keep the ball in play, use time, keep the defense off the field. I think that they're going to be much better, even if they don't have those key pieces like Josh Allen, who they could have gotten and been an impact player immediately. I think that they're in a building stage. It's not realistic to expect to make the playoffs this year, but I certainly think that next year with 90 million cap space and more draft picks that it's very realistic if they can get a, a good pass rusher and some interior uh, defensive linemen, some linebackers. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, additions that we need, but um, I really like where we're headed, and I think that Jenkins should be part of it. And I know he's actually – I think he has two years left on his contract. Can you guys affirm that? Uh, this year and next year, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, if, if they weren't – if I expect if I expected any sort of playoffs, I would want to keep Jenkins all the way. Um, but it's just a matter of an older player, and you know, maybe you get a little more trade value since he has one more year on his deal. So, okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I would definitely wait until midseason to trade him if I was going to, because you know we could surprise and maybe be in the running somehow i'm not expecting us to be a playoff team this year but if somehow mid-season we're in the running then you keep them but if not i'd let them go that's fair i mean i i guess i guess after seeing what they did with uh you know snacks on eli apple i mean they got a fourth rounder for eli apple that guy's basically like a garbage man he <laughs> picks up garbage um or maybe he is the garbage and people are picking him up apparently i guess that's i guess that's what new orleans thought to do um, but nonetheless, I think that it would be, if they can get the value, it could be a good move, especially with this cap hit. They could open up another, what, 14 mil, you said, in cap space, which is tremendous. Um, but one thing I really want to move on to is, you know, a factor or rather a result of the Odell Beckham trade. Um, safety Jabril Peppers coming back to New York. He went to Don Bosco prep. This kid is legit. I think that we are underrating him completely, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in terms of underrating. But I think that he has tremendous ability. And I I was looking into him, doing a little research on his style of play. Um, And when he was drafted with the 25th pick in 2017, the Cleveland Browns figured, okay, let's throw him in as free safety and see how he does. He was terrible, ranked as one of the worst free safeties in the game. They're like, okay, clearly he cannot cover deep. Let's throw him at a strong safety. And he went from 57 tackles, total tackles, in 2017 to 79. He had two more passes defended, and he was tremendous in all facets of the game. And he hasn't even reached his potential yet. I mean, the guy was in Cleveland, coming to New York, the big stage, the lights, being at home, his family around. This, this is his, his time to shine. This is where he's going to make his money. And his cap hit is so low. Like, I can't express enough how good of a trade it was to grab him as, a, as a, just a throw-in. Um, this guy is going to be amazing for us on the defensive side of the ball. A Swiss Army knife, he can do it all, cover tight ends. And, you know, he looks just like Landon Collins on the field. Very similar frame. But He's wearing 21, right? Yep. Uh, is he? Oh, wow, that's, a really, that's, that's <laughs> actually hilarious. I love that. <laughs> uh, but I think that, you know, he has that same frame. He can play the run, play cover tight ends, which is going to be a huge benefit for us because we all know 
how bad we've been against tight ends lately. Um, but are you guys <laughs> as excited for you know Peppers as I am because he can return kicks as well? This guy can do everything. Yeah, I'm super excited for Peppers. In Cleveland, they totally misused him his rookie season. They had him play uh, free safety on 88% of his snaps. But then when they finally moved him around, he didn't play just strong safety. He played a lot of linebacker also and some slot cornerback too. He spent 108 snaps there. That's so all, all of that just factored into this Swiss Army knife ability that he has. And he can just go all over the defense in a way that Landon Collins couldn't even do. I think, honestly, Peppers is going to be what James Betcher wanted uh, Landon Collins to be. And he's going to be more like Tyron Matthew was in uh, Betcher's system in 2015. I have Ooh. really high expectations for Peppers. I like that. Yeah, and Peppers, uh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the potential because when they just threw him at free safety as a rookie, I mean, what did they expect? Because the kid wasn't even playing full-time defensive back in college, and it's such a cerebral position to actually play free safety, you know, deep center field properly. So, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with what he knows about the game because he has shown the, the range that you need to be that guy back there. And, uh, you know, I don't want him to do it full-time because, like you said, he can do everything. And, I, you know, I want him to do everything. But, you know, I would, I would certainly, you know, you know, be happy if he could end up playing back there. Right. You know, I think that he's, like we've all been saying, that complete player. And if Betcher can really, you know, extract the value from his uh, potential – we could see a player that even surpasses the influence of Landon Collins. You know, we, we all love Collins. He was great in the run. He was a leader in the locker room despite, you know, fighting with Eli Apple. But that's given. I would have done the same thing. Um, <laughs> um, I probably would have fought his mom too, but let's, I'll leave that for another day. <laughs> uh, but as for, as for uh, Peppers, I think he has that potential, especially in the coverage. Um, but he, he's going to be my underdog for this year just in terms of, you know, impact, because he's kind of flying under the radar. I oftentimes forget he's even on the team for some reason. I don't, rem- I don't know why, but he just slips my mind. Then I remember he's there. I'm like, oh, my God, this defense is actually going to be decent. Um, but I think my major concern is, is really the uh, defensive line. Um, Dexter Lawrence, kind of injury-prone in college a little bit. He's a big guy. I don't know what they're talking about in terms of pass rush. The guy has literally, like, three total sacks in, like, three years of college. I don't understand like what they see in that aspect of his game. Um, if they can extract that, God, I would love that. You know, having B.J. Hill, Dalvin Thompson, and Dexter Lawrence all with the ability to like break into the backfield would be fantastic. Um, but I just don't see him getting to that level. You know, if he can't do it in college, suddenly making that jump at the NFL level is not realistic. Um, but do you guys expect a lot from Dexter Lawrence? I don't really know what to expect from him at, the, at this point. Like, he's a huge guy. He's like a, bigger than Vince Wilfork, takes up a lot of space, but I think he's going to be great plugging the run. The Giants were terrible in stopping the run last year, um, and I think he's going to help out in that facet. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited for Dexter Lawrence. I think he's going to be a great run defender, and he's going to fill the void that Snacks left when he got traded. But uh, in terms of the pressures, if he can slim down a bit, I think he could actually be a great uh, pass rusher because he didn't finish with sacks. But according to Pro Football Focus, he had the, uh, the third highest pressure rate at 13.8% uh, out of the entire draft class and wow. interior defensive linemen. So, I mean, getting pressures on 13% of your snaps, that's, that's pretty solid. Yeah, and he did play hurt for uh, a lot of this year. So, like, the total sacks might be... Um, might be a little bit misleading with him. And he did do uh, his fair share of lining up at the three technique also. 
um, even even the five. So he's actually able to move around the front if you really need him to. And I think it's I think he's going to get a few sacks, but I think what's going to be more important is just drawing that double team and then still collapsing the pocket. Right, and I think he's going to do really well uh, in the run game. The Giants ranked 20th last year in uh, run yards uh, for the opposing team. Um, I think he's going to plug up that hole very, very nicely. I mean, we saw R.J. McIntosh miss basically the entire season, so he'll compete as well. Um, but for the most part, I, th- I like this young core they have up front. B.J. Hill's going to be a stud. I-, I honestly think he has that ability. Um, but we're going to see if they can mesh well together, and it really is going to come down to the outside linebackers. You know, Shane Ximenez, Lorenzo Carter, Marcus Golden, these guys are going to have to step up big time. Um, Anthony, what do you think about them? Oh, I like Lorenzo Carter quite a bit. I think uh, once he gets some more playing time, he'll definitely – he's very athletic, so, you know, he's got the speed around the edge. It's it's about it's about the technical stuff with him. That's why he didn't play too much last year, you know, just working on the fundamentals and everything. But he's got the athleticism and the size and all that to uh, to be a good edge rusher. So, I mean, he had four sacks and he only started two games last year. Played in 15, but only started two, so – I, I think he's going to start this year, and once he does, I feel like that sack number could definitely go up, and he'll definitely be a good edge rusher for the Giants. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if he does start because they uh, they had Martin out there today with the ones. Hmm. But, um, yeah, Carter, I think he's going to be good too. Um, you know, I, he's going to win with speed. I don't know if he's ever going to win with his hands. But, um, no, I think the pass rush is going to be better than expected. That's good. I honestly... Hope so, because otherwise we're going to have a long season rushing the passer. I'm actually pretty intrigued by Marcus Golden, though. He is a guy that put up 12 and a half sacks in 2016, uh, played in only four games in 2017, basically didn't do a single thing, and then last year played in 11 with two and a half sacks. Um, but he was playing defensive end last year, missed a ton of time in 2017. So I'm really hoping he can revert back to his you know, great version of himself like he did in 16. Um, 12 and a half sacks for the Giants next year would be fantastic, but I don't know if we can expect that out of him. I actually think B.J. Hill might be the one with more sacks. Like he had, he put up five and a half sacks last year. Um, he was inconsistent, but for the most part, he had eight quarterback hits as well. Uh, that's pretty good for a guy playing the, on the interior line, um, especially as a rookie coming in as a what was he a third round pick? So yeah, third. He was yeah, he played really well. Yeah, and you know that he's one of my like kind of low-key players that I, I'm really excited to see, um, you know, win in the trenches. I don't think he's going to be making, like, that significant impact, um, probably more so than Dalvin Thompson. Honestly, he's been a little bit underwhelming from my point of view, um, but he does take up space. He, he has t- moments of, of, you know, flashiness, but it's going to really come down to getting into the backfield and the linebackers are going to have to clean up shop a lot of times. That's where a guy like Peppers comes in handy because – if they're not getting to the quarterback, they're going to have to be locked down in coverage. Um, but moving on from the defensive front, I kind of want to talk about the fourth-string quarterback. Actually, he might even be the fifth string if we count Kyle Lalletta in this and his banged-up knee from sitting down all season. But Syracuse quarterback Eric Dungy, I don't even know if you've heard of him, undrafted free agent. The guy could be our Taysom Hill. If you're not familiar with Taysom Hill, He's with the New Orleans Saints. He plays multiple positions, was a quarterback in college. 
Uh, Dungey kind of has that similar frame at six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. The guy put up thirty three total scores last season, eighteen passing and fifteen running touchdowns. So the guy he has the ability and the athleticism to be you know an impact player. And I would love to see them you know work him in at tight end, uh, have him even run you know some trick plays with him passing the ball. Do you think that they could kind of utilize him in that in that Taysom Hill uh, you know way and just? make the offense unpredictable because that's kind of what I'm, I'm hitting at here is the offense has been so predictable the past few years. Last year was a little bit better with Shermer's first season in, in charge, but I think that they need to really add like a second level, even a third level to this offense where it's just, you know, OBJ's throwing touchdown passes to Saquon Barkley, like a guy like Eric Dungy comes in and he has his arm athleticism. He can make those plays. Um, do you think that they try to make, you know, try to change things up and create more uh, creativity, I guess, on the offensive side? I, th- I think they'll definitely try to, but I'm not sure if they'll be successful because Taysom, Taysom Hill is a very unique player, and he uh, he's found quite a bit of success in New Orleans, and I think you got to give almost all of that credit to Sean Payton. I mean, he's a great offensive mind, and he's a very smart coach, and I, I don't know if Pat Shermer's proven himself to be that kind of uh, coach yet, you know, and... I like uh, I like Dungy. I think you know he had 15 rushing touchdowns last year, which is pretty solid. But they also uh, they snuck him onto the roster at tight end because you you were saying that he might be QB five. I think they uh, put him on at tight end because he was wearing a white jersey today. Ah, uh, I see. Okay, Christian, do you have any uh, information you know about him? Yeah, he he really was one of the more exciting dual threat quarterbacks in college. Um, he he averaged nearly 10 yards per carry too. So. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty crazy. Um, it's tough to see him being on the final roster, though. And the the thing about him between being compared to Taysom Hill is Hill ran a 4-4-4, and Dungy ran a high 4-6, which is still fast for a quarterback, but it's not quite, uh, you know, as much of a problem for defenses. So, you know, if they want to throw in a wrinkle here and there, they could, but I think they're going to do that for Daniel Jones instead. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I mean, Jones has that running ability. They might as well just keep it with the quarterback and let him function at a high level, not not mess with, uh, you know, the algorithm there and throw in a guy like Dungy to make things unpredictable. I mean, they have so many playmakers. I, honestly, I, I, I factor in, you know, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Saquon Barkley. This offense has a ton of playmakers, guys, that are going to go out and catch the ball and make plays. And I think that we're kind of sleeping on the fact that this offense might actually function better without OBJ and Eli forcing the ball to him. Um, that That's kind of my personal opinion. Is I actually think we're going to see more production, more in, in just keeping the ball. That, that is going to be my staple this season is the Giants have to hold on to the ball as long as possible because that is how teams like the Patriots win, teams like New Orleans wins. I mean, you can get those one-two punches, you know, two plays, 90-yard touchdown passes, but for the most part, you're keeping your defense fresh and on the field and off the field, um, and I think that they're going to take that and, and make it a mantra for this offseason. But I want to move on to our last segment, um, Anthony. We're going to play a little game, and I want Anthony to explain what it is before we get into it. Okay, so we're going to pick uh, one player from each of these uh, descriptions, and we're going to explain why we think they fit this description, and. They are, we'll first start with most overrated player on the Giants. Uh, For me, I think it's Alec Ogletree. I know he had five interceptions last year, and that's what everyone on Twitter rants and raves about, that he had five picks. But 
what three of those I think were off of deflection and I don't know I just when I watched him play I saw him miss a lot of assignments in the run game and I also saw him blow a lot of coverages even though he had those three picks he was terrible in space against running backs and tight ends and I just think he's probably the most overrated player on the Giants at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. Honestly, him as the Mike, I, I don't know if I like him as the Mike. I think he would be better playing just the run because he, he's a big guy. And, you know, like you, know, like you said, it, he, he had a lot of tipped interceptions. He did have two return for a touchdown. He, he looked good at times. I think it was just those few, like, flashy plays that made him look better than he really was. Um, but and a lot I, of it was the right place at the right time, too. I mean, it right. wasn't read and reacting and running across the field. I mean... Just bouncing into his hands, more or less. Yep. All right. Well, my overrated player is, you know, a controversial one. I'm going to go with Senor Eli Manning. And the reason is because we don't know if he's capable of playing at a high level with a good offensive line. We've seen him crumble for the last half a decade. I guess you could factor out 2016 when OBJ was lighting it up. Half a decade that he has been destroyed by opposing defenses. And I think that he might be just mentally trained at this point to just, you know, feel pressure that isn't there, like ghost pressure in a sense. And I don't know if I trust him to revert back to his, you know, his prime self. I know he's on the back end. He, he's already, um, you know, climbing up there. Was he 37 or 38 years old now? So, you know, I think that he's going to be overrated. He's overrated for that reason alone. I hope he proves you wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm rooting for him 100%. Um, but at this point, I have to just call him overrated only because of, you know, the mental aspect and him, you know, getting over that jump. Yeah, and I actually have to agree with you, um, you know, because he's really not rated that highly to begin with. But even calling Eli, like, a top 20 quarterback at this point is, like, super generous. I mean... There's, there's a lot of bad lines around the league, and something I've noticed that is Eli makes a bad line look worse. Um, you know, he, and even when he had time last year, uh, like you said, he thought he had less, and the process is just nowhere near where it should be for someone that has been in the league for 15 years. I mean, every year he's coming out here and throwing tons of interceptions, and you know, some some people, you know, representing the team make a lot of excuses as to why, but it's every year. So, yeah, with the top 20 talk, I'm going to call him overrated, too. I mean, I'll disagree. I don't think that he's overrated. I think that he gets enough criticism as it is. I think he's rated pretty much fairly because he does get a lot of criticism. And maybe I'm a little bit of an Eli apologist, but I, I mean, I of course wouldn't say he's underrated. I just think that he's rated pretty fairly. But anyway, the next uh, next description we're going to use is most underrated. And there's a lot of players I think that you could put here. And I think I'm going to go with Nate Solder. I know a lot of people think that he is just like the most overpaid, the worst contract on the entire roster. But I think he was bad the first few weeks of the season when he was dealing with that bulging disc. But then once that healed, he was a lot better, and he played really well over the last half of the season. The offense seemed to play a lot better once he started to play better. So if he can stay healthy, and I know he just had his surgery, but if he comes back 100% healthy from that, I think he'll definitely prove some people wrong and show that he is a solid left tackle in the NFL. 
I actually agree with you here. I have a different player in mind, but I want to blow some minds right now and kind of tell you why Nate Solder struggled so much in the first half of 2018. And, you know, the injury definitely played a part. But one of the more, the more technical reasons that he actually struggled was because when he was playing with Tom Brady, Tom Brady did not take a, a big step, a, a big drop back. He would drop back about three or four steps and then he would climb the pocket. And Nate Solder, if you watch any of his film at the Patriots, he would push the uh, edge rusher behind Brady, and Brady would step up in the pocket. And this was a, a very consistent thing that I saw throughout his tape. He would, he would just la- literally let them you know, run around him, and he would just push around, push around Brady. And Eli takes a deeper drop back than Brady. So what happened was no, Solder was mentally you know, trained, just muscle memory, to push his assignment behind, thinking it was Tom Brady, but instead he was pushing him right into Eli Manning. So it took him a few weeks there to actually figure out, you know, he's not dropping back um, as shallow as Brady was. So I have to adapt to that. So instead he actually ended up progressing really well throughout the season. He ended up as one of the top uh, tackles of the second half of the year. He ended up ranking as the 21st tackle in the league, which is, which is pretty good for a first year on a new team. I know his contract is bloated, but I think the Giants needed to establish a good player at left tackle. I am so happy that we don't have Eric Flowers. I would have paid more to get rid of him. I would have paid just to get rid of him. I can't tell you how much I hate that guy. Um, But for the most part, you know, I think that that's why Nate Solder is, you know, performed well in the second half of the year compared to the first. Um, But my underrated player is actually Jabril Peppers. And I think, you know, people are forgetting about him and what he brings to the table and how James Betcher is going to utilize him on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, against tight ends. He can play slot. He can play against the run. He's going to be all over the field. And I think that we are about to see, you know, a style of play that we haven't seen from any player in a while. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he has to offer. But, uh, Christian, who do you have in mind as your most underrated player? Well, this one might shock you guys. It's going to be Cody Latimer. And mm-hmm. he wasn't healthy much last year. But when he was healthy... He showed the ability to get vertical on teams, and he actually did it twice against the Cowboys. And one of them was an amazing catch for a touchdown in the back of the end zone. And, uh, you know, not to take too many shots at Odell, but when's the last time we've seen him actually just run straight down the field and catch a ball against the Cowboys? I mean, you know, to, to a degree, they've held him in check. And Latimer matched up really well against Chidobe Wouzier. He, you know, he's been, he's been on the rise, so... I think for him it's just a matter of being healthy, but if he is, I could see him being that third receiver. Yeah, I like that. That's, he is pretty underrated. I, I agree with that. He and he's definitely a second-round pick not long ago. Yeah, he definitely showed some potential against the Cowboys both games. He also had a one-handed catch the first uh, meeting with them. That wasn't yeah, for a touchdown. Yeah, down the right sideline. Yep. I do remember that. Yeah, he's a solid player. Uh, and then the next category is best player. I think we should all be in agreement here. Saquon Barkley, Offensive Rookie of the Year. No, 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 no. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Alex Tanny. Let's not get Taking it. Taking Chad Wheeler. No, <laughs> Chad, Chad Wheeler. Wheeler. <laughs> oh, my God. Nah, Bobby Hart, starting right tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless. Okay. I, I think, yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, unanimous decision. Saquon Barkley is by far the best player. Um What's the next category? Yeah, uh, key new addition. I'm going to go with Kevin Zeitler here. Uh, you know, we had to get some compensation in that Odell trade. Ze- Zeitler ended up being a part of it with, since they combined the uh, Vernon and 
Odell's trades together. But Zeitler is the top-ranked pass guarding or pass blocking guard according to Pro Football Focus in the entire NFL, wow. and that's clearly important for the Giants. I mean, you just touched on you just touched on it with Eli and how he's got that paranoia sense. He needs good pass blockers in front of him. Zeitler is exactly that. He's a great pass blocker, and even down the road, he's he's getting up there in age, but he'll still be here for probably four years. Once Daniel Jones takes over, he's going to need some good pass protectors in front of him. I think Zeitler is just a key player for the Giants' offense now and in the future. Yeah, I would have picked Zeitler too if if Jones was playing this year, because like you said, you know, you need as much protection around him as possible while he's developing. But I'm going to pick Marcus Golden because who is rushing the passer? I mean, we got Kareem Martin, we got Lorenzo Carter the x-man you know i golden marcus golden had 12 and a half sacks the last time he was healthy so you know once again my pick rides on health but uh i think he's i think if this team is gonna have a winning season he needs to have double digit sacks yeah how dare you forget about avery moss (laughs) (laughs) oh man he's coming in he's coming hot man don't don't sleep on avery he's him and his dreads he's chilling give him a chance (laughs) but all right I mean, I, I agree with you there. Kevin uh, Zeitler is a, a monster. We have gotten a gold gift from God with Kevin Zeitler at right guard. I mean, we saw what Jamon Brown did last year, and he's like an average right guard. He came in and he transformed the run game. He was fantastic, um, and he was inconsistent. So that just tells you, you know, Saquon Barkley can dominate with Swiss cheese of an offensive line. And, and so, you know, we have Kevin Zeitler coming in, and he's going to solidify that right guard spot to a T. And if we have Mike Remmers performing even average ball, it is going to be fantastic to see what this team can do on the offensive side. Saquon Barkley is going to be running all day long. Eli Manning even might pick up a few yards. That's how, that's how great this offensive line is going to be. Um, but my key addition, um, aside from me agreeing with that wholeheartedly, I think uh, DeAndre Baker was a huge... Uh, grab for the Giants. I mean, they moved up from 37 to 31, I think, to grab him. Um, And right after that, multiple corners, Byron Murphy um, and a bunch of guys were taken off the board and Baker was left. And I was wondering, like, you know, why are they trading up to grab this guy? And immediately, five picks later, when all the best corners went off the board, it made sense to me. Um, And even though Sam Beal looked really good today, Baker is a physical corner, can match up in man coverage. He's, you know, has length speed he's a prototypical cornerback for the nfl and he can match up against any wide receiver which is fantastic he's going to be the guy to replace janoris jenkins once he leaves and i think he can he can manage it Um, i'm really excited to see what he has to offer and you know what kind of addition he is to the defense and if he really helps that cornerback group grow because they're really young aside from jenkins um and it's going to be interesting interesting to see how they shake out and if beal and, and baker are kind of you know, battling into the regular season. Um, but what's next on the list, Anthony? Uh, a player who could surprise. And I'm going to go with Grant Haley here. He um, he played pretty good last year uh, as the slot cornerback, and I think he's going to surprise, and he's going to be a really good slot corner here. I know that they drafted Julian Love, but I think eventually Julian Love is going to move back to free safety, and Grant Haley's going to stay at slot cornerback because I think he is – good enough to play that position he played in 10 games he um recorded 33 tackles three for a loss and two passes defended and 
I, I think he was just solid all around. He graded out higher than Janoris Jenkins, according to Pro Football Focus, too. And I just think, you know, he's going to surprise some people this year. Interesting. I, I kind of like that, uh, that selection. I, I see him, you know, as an undrafted free agent coming in, um, played a good amount of games last season. I think he could win that, that spot Julian, over Julian Love. Um, they're going to have some good depth. Haley has the potential to be great. Um, maybe not great, but at, at least good. He showed flashes last year. I think he has to get a little bit better in man coverage. He's a little bit slow sometimes in the slot, but that's his position. He'll, he'll get used to it. Um, but my player for surprise this year is going to be linebacker Ryan Connolly. And the reason is I don't trust B.J. Goodson at all. I think he is an injury waiting to happen, and there's nobody really behind him to pick up that spot. Um, I think, you know, Connolly is a very instinctual guy. He can plug those gaps. He shoots the gap extremely well. He is very, very quick and decisive when it comes to, um, you know, shooting those gaps and closing them off. And, and get, he, he tackles a lot in the backfield, which I really like about him. Um, and he actually can play a little bit in coverage. He's fast and he's very, he's very, you know, natural with the way he plays. So I really like him there. And I think he could even beat out BJ Goodson um, with just a little bit of development under his belt. I think that Alec Ogletree will help him a ton. Um, but that's my pick for the surprise. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I could I could see that, you know. Um, but my surprise guy is actually going to be Dexter Lawrence because I think he is going to apply pressure. Uh, he needs to, He's mentioned himself that he wants to get down to about 325, around that range. So if he gets down there, he's going to be a lot quicker. Um, but I just want to mention another guy real quick, R.J. McIntosh. Uh, he's kind of a forgotten guy from last year, but he was a penetrating three technique in college. And he had a lot of people thought he had a third or fourth round grade. They got him in the fifth because of a health issue. So really all along that front, they could surprise. Fair enough. Anthony, what's up next? Uh, take a leap. So I'm going to go with Lorenzo Carter here. He was decent his rookie season. You know, we touched on that earlier. He has the athleticism, but maybe not the technical aspect. But I think that he's going to take a leap here because he's going to have an increased playing time now that Olivier Vernon is no longer on the roster. And with the increased playing time, I think he's just going to improve in his second year. And he's going to take a big leap from where he was last year. I like that. I think I think Lorenzo Carr is a really good guy to you know make that jump. He he's coming off a year um, with with some solid stats, uh, but I, I honestly I, I'm really curious about O'Shea Ximenez as well coming in and performing as a rookie. He went to Old Dominion, so he was the first player to ever actually get drafted from them. He could be one of those guys as well. Carter had four sacks last year and four passes defended, so. He has the potential, 43 combined total tackles, 10 quarterback hits, um, 7 tackles for a loss. He, he's got a ton of potential. I think you're right. I think he will get a little bit more uh, um, you know, statistical output with more playing time. He only started in two games. He played in 15, but starting in two, very minimal. So I'm, I'm hoping he can make that jump. Uh, but for me, my player for taking a leap is, again, for the third time, Evan Ingram. And this is simply based on the fact that Odo Beckham Jr. isn't going to be on the team anymore. Um, Ingram, 
he doubled his production. I think he was averaging 37 yards per game. And then when OBJ was out, he was averaging 80. So he more than doubled his production with OBJ off the field. And we saw every single player, aside from that one dud against um, the Tennessee Titans where they were just completely outmatched and didn't score anything, aside from that game, the Giants put up, you know, every single player put up more yards and just was more effective in general. But I think Ingram is finally at that point where his, his catch rate's been uh, elevated every single season. I think he started 55% catch rate in his rookie year and jumped to 70% last year. I think he's going to make another small jump and hover around like 75, 70. Um, but if he even can stay there, I'm really excited for what he can do and if he can stay healthy. Healthy um, Health is a really big priority for Ingram and his production. Uh, but Christian, who's who's on your list for take a leap? Well, I liked Ingram too, but I'm gonna go Shepard because I, you know, I see it for both of them. Um, I think Shepard will play outside more, and he, they're just gonna have to live with in breaking routes for him for the most part. Um, but I think he's gonna crack that thousand yard mark for the first time in his career. Ooh, I hope so. I really hope so. I think he has the potential. We've seen him, you know, just like I said for Ingram. Um, when OBJ was out, he's, his stats elevated. I think having Golden Tate there will help him you know, keep, keep the number one receiver off of him at all, all the time. Um, him flip-flopping from the interior and exterior with Tate, super unpredictable. Shermer's going to have a lot of fun with those two guys. Um, but who's next? I think that we have one left. Prove it year? Did we already cover that? No, that's the last one. Prove it year. And I'm going to go with Eli Manning. I think that's pretty obvious. He just... He needs to perform this year. Otherwise, it's time to just give Daniel Jones the key, the keys to the whip, you know? Just let him take over. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I'm going to take this out of context and say Saquon Barkley is going to prove to me that he is the best running back in the NFL. Um, and Zeke can go pushing security guards again. <laughs> I, don't you, I don't know if you guys saw that video. But yep. Zeke was at a, a, was it a, a music festival. And yeah talking to some girl and she was deading him as he as she should with his wild hair and he got in the face of some security guard and he the security guard kind of flopped to be honest he like fell over this metal pole or metal like gate sort of thing <laughs> and it was it was kind of ridiculous and then Zeke got arrested which made me happy and then they let him go um so overall I think you know Barkley is going to show us you know not only on the field but off the field the guy is just a gem of a guy and um, he he is the the face of the franchise. Aside from you know, he he actually might be even better in terms of image than Manning because he shows up. He actually speaks. Um, he's on social media. The guy just has no nothing bad to say. But the but the main thing about that is that he also doesn't suck. Eli Manning sucks sometimes and like gets criticized for it and like that's why he doesn't go on social media. But Barkley is fantastic, and the guy didn't fumble once last year. Literally knocking on wood right now. Um, <laughs> He has the potential to be just like otherworldly. Other Tiki Barber even said, as long as he stays healthy, he's shattering all his records. That we're gonna, we have, we have something truly special in this guy, and I, I'm so excited that we get to witness, you know, legitimate history in terms of Saquon Barkley and his career. And it's just the beginning. We are in for a show, guys. Especially with this upgraded offensive line, it's gonna be quite the season. Well. That's funny because I almost wonder if they're gonna scale him back just a little bit since. Uh this year probably doesn't have playoffs for us uh, at the end. So I wonder if they might just see some of it as unnecessary mileage and try to work Gallman in just a little bit more. But I don't doubt Barkley will even be an improved player, though, uh, from last year. 
My uh, my prove it year for uh, is gonna be for Dalvin Tomlinson because, like you guys have said, like he's been okay, but he's kind of been you know kind of a boring player, and um, you know I think it's time for him to really take that step and prove why he was a second round pick. Yeah, and he has an expiring contract, doesn't he? Yeah, his is gonna be coming up. Uh, if not this, I believe the year after next year. Okay. Well, yeah, he definitely needs to prove it if he wants to get a second deal with the Giants. Yeah, yeah. this will be his third year, so. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I mean, a lot of a lot of defensive tackles, you can find them later in the draft. He, he, they might honestly let him walk unless they want to re-sign him for a, a cheaper deal. You know, um, he, he has shown some potential, but he hasn't really stood out in any facet of the game, pass rushing or run stopping. Um, like I said, the Giants had the 20th ranked run defense last year, and he definitely did not help that statistic. So, you know, I, I hope I hope you guys are right. I hope all these guys that are in, you know, in the boat. I don't want to make a reference to the to the boat picture, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> everyone's everyone's on this boat together, and we're gonna miss the playoffs or at least get kicked out in the first round. Um, and we can still blame OBJ because that boat picture will forever live on. But, all right, that's a wrap for episode three, guys, of Keeping Up with the G-Men. Thank you for listening, as always. And to our co-hosts, Anthony and Christian, it was a pleasure, as always. See you next week, guys. See you. Sounds good.